Okay, so we're going to get started. Um, what we're going to be doing now is we're going to be learning the first Os. We're going to be learning Os Aleph in the Chelek of Osios and Reish Milan. So again, like we said wrote last week, just the Chazer, Rav Kook will first go through the Osios, then he's going to go through the Osios with Tagen on them, then he's going to go through the Nekudos, and then he's going to go through the Ta'amim themselves. Everything is in ascending order. Um, this is an ascending order. So the Nekudos on a certain level are going to represent the basic building blocks. And then as we move forward through the Sefer, we're going to get more and more supernal. Um, things are going to get more and more abstract on a certain level, but we're going to see how the Osios connect to the Tagen and the Tagen connect to the Nekudos and then Kudos to the Ta'amim. And then we get the full picture of the Tanta from Rav Kook. Now, in order to properly introduce the letter Aleph, at least according to the way Rav Kook interprets it in Reish Milin, we have to really have two Hakdamos. Two Hakdamos are necessary. The two of them, as we'll see, are parallel to one another. It's possible to even say that one is a totza'ah, one is a, a symptom of the first idea. And the first Nakuda that we're going to be discussing is a Nakuda that for Rav Kook was quite possibly the crown of his Kabbalistic system, at least according to his student, the Nazir HaKadosh. Now, Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona was one of the foremost Mekubalim, one of the foremost founding fathers of what we'll call Kabbalistic thought, operating within the 12th century. Um, according to the Arizal, according to Rabbeinu Vital, Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona is Nechshav, is considered to be an authentic Mekubal. For the Arizal, it was very important for them to ensure, in order to create kind of a real systematic approach to Kabbalah, they needed to determine who was worthy of being part of the tradition and who was unworthy, so to speak, to be part of the tradition. Um, something that the Ramak himself did in Pardis Firmonim, and the Arizal and Rechaim Vital recording the words of the Arizal was much stricter with this, but Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona um, was considered to be an authentic Mekubal. We see this in various places in the young writings of Chaim Vital printed in the back of, of the Eitz Chaim. Um, the Ramaz of Moshe Zakuto in his introductions as Fersh and Chaim also has an arichus about Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona. Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona was an interface, if you will, between philosophical thought as rooted in the Kuzari um, and different Rishonim. And Kabbalistic thought or more mystical thought, which transcended on a certain level the rational understanding of Jewish philosophy. Rabbeinu Azriel has a famous sefer called Bir Eser Sviros B'derach Sha'ayla B'tshuva, or better known in history typically as, better known in history as um, Shar HaShoel. And in this Bir Eser Sviros B'derach Sha'ayla B'tshuva, what Rabbeinu Azriel does is he creates a, you know, a fictional question and answer between somebody who's coming to ask him about the necessity of the Asersiros and the capacity of the infinite to manifest infinitude and how an Ainsof, how a God without end, so to speak, can come and manifest in creation. Now, Rabbeinu Azriel, there's 10 prakim in this Bir Asersiros. And in Os Gimel, we're going to be actually reading from the Sefer Tarshish Shoham Biyishba, which is from Rav Moshe Shatz, Shlita, the Rebbe of Rav Itchemeyer, um, Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern in Kabbalah. I've had the list to sit with him numerous times. He's a profound individual from Brooklyn. Um, so he put out a, a Mahadura, a new edition of this with, edition, with edits and, and footnotes. 
So in Os Gimel, the question that is asked of Rabbeinu Azriel is as follows, and this is again going to be the introduction for us to understand Os Aleph. V'im Yosef ha-shoa lishol ba'eza hechrich tachrich ki yesham sviros ki ritzoni lomar ki ein sham rak ein sof levad. So the question that Rabbi Noel is ask, Rabbi Noel Azriel is asking is as follows. What compels us to claim that there's anything more than or in sof? What compels us to claim that there's something more than the infinite nature of God? Why do we have to say that in order to create the world, Hashem had it to manifest, so to speak, into Eser Sviros or Kalim or the notion of limitation? Why was it not enough for us to have an interaction with the infinite itself. So what is the compulsion, says Rabbeinu Azriel, to claim that there is svirot, eser svirot, or the partsufim, or the worlds, or all measurements, instead of just saying that there's just infinity? So here's the answer. And I'm going to read it inside because this becomes the crowning jewel, not only for Rav Kook, but for the Leshem, and really for the Arizal as well, if you read Sharmem Beis and Eitzchayim properly. So the answer Rabbeinu Israel gives is as follows. Ein sof hu shleimus belichi The infinite without end, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol, is perfection without any lack. Shleimus belichi saron. V'imto marshiyesh lo koach beligvul. And if you claim that the infinite has the capacity to be infinite without limitation, v'ein lo koach begvul, but he doesn't have, Kavyachol, the ability to manifest in limitation, atem achaser shleimuso. What you're doing is you're creating a lack within the perfection of God. Because what you're claiming is that God only has the ability to be infinite, but not finite. And if you want to claim that, okay, so we need to say that Hashem has the capacity for limitation. So maybe the created world is that capacity for limitation. When we look around at the world, we see that the world is profoundly derivative and profoundly lacking. So we can't claim that the limitation from Hashem is this world, because this world is broken. It's not only limited. So Rabbeinu Azriel goes on to say, in order to ensure that we do not impinge or negate the perfection of godliness, we're forced to say that Hashem has the capacity towards limitation, but that capacity, that potential towards limitation is infinite. So Hashem Kavyachal, at the level of Ein Sof, before the creation of the world, Hashem has, on a certain level, the potential capacity to manifest in limitation. Now, that potential to manifest in limitation cannot be actual limitation, because if that were so, then you would be machaser shlemuso, then you would be detracting from the utter infinitude of godliness. So therefore, paradoxically speaking, what Rabbeinu Azriel comes onto is a paradoxical space in that it's the potential towards limitation, but as long as it's within the capacity of the Ein Sof, it's unlimited. So it's an unlimited limitation. It's the ability of Hashem to manifest in limitation, yet prior to the actual manifestation of limitation, it remains infinite. And again, to reiterate the Lashon of Rabbeinu Azriel, he says, So it's an infinite capacity of finitude. 
And he goes on to say, And this potential towards limitation that Rabbeinu Azriel tells us must theoretically be found within Ein Sof itself, that is the Esser Sviros. That is the Arba Olamos. That is the world of Atsilos. I'm sorry, not the worlds of Bria Yitzir but the world of Atsilos. And Rabbeinu Azriel goes on to describe in various places in Shoyrish HaKvira Ha'amuna that the process of creating the world is not ex nihilo in the sense that it's something from nothing, but when Hashem decided to create the world, Kav this potential of limitation, this kawach ha'gvul, that as long as it's within the infinite, remains infinite, as it slowly but surely manifests and turns out of the infinite and becomes its own capacity of limitation, that capacity of limitation is the Esther Spiros that eventually becomes limitation in the world as we know it. So what Rabbeinu Israel is saying here is something profound. In contradistinction to the typical description of how Hashem created the world, how the infinite managed to create limit, we typically approach it as the Simpson Sugya. We look at it in the words of the Arizal and the classical interpretations of the Arizal, which is that in order for the infinite to create the world, there has to be a contraction of the infinite. There has to be a tzimtzum. There has to be a removal, if you will, to create a halal hapanui. But what Rabbeinu Azriel is saying here in the Leshem, Roshlomo al-Yashav, writes about this in multiple places throughout pages. He stresses that the tzimtzum is not, according to Rabbeinu Azriel, a negative action of contraction, but rather it is the manifestation of this potential towards limitation. That this kayach ha'gvul may bligvul, this potential limit that as long as it remains within the infinite is negated, as it slowly but surely manifests itself through the emanatory process, through the seder ha'atzilus, through the seder ha'ishtalshlus, this kayach ha'gvul slowly but surely becomes the metzius of limitation as we know it. Now, there was an article written by a Rav Rimon in around 1920 about the philosophy of Rav Kook. He was a secular philosopher who wanted to claim, well, a secular Israeli philosopher wanted to claim that there was no specific shita in the way Rav Kook approached Luriana Kabbalah or the way Rav Kook approached Kabbalah in general. And Rav David Kohn, the Nazir HaKadosh, one of the main disciples of Rav Kook, along with Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalap and Rav Yitzhak Arieli, he came to Rav Kook and he showed him this article and he said, Rav, you know, what do you think about this? What is your opinion as to what this Mechaber is saying? Do you agree that there's no systematic approach to Luriana Kabbalah in your writings? And Rav Kook answered him something profound. And this is found in Sefer Mishnas HaNazir, um, which is the diaries of Rav David Kohn. It's found on page Samech, on page 60. I'm going to paraphrase now, but basically what Rav Kook says to the Nazir is as follows. He says that if there is any systematic point of my entire approach to Kabbalah Sa'arizal, it can be found in the klal of Rabbeinu Azriel. In the klal that mitzius, or existence, or creation, or the world of limitation as we know it, is nothing but the kaya chagvul, is nothing but that potential within the infinite, that potential within Ein Sof, to manifest in limitation. Therefore, according to Rav Kook and according to the Nazir's interpretation of Rav Kook, mitzius and existence is not something separate and apart from the infinite, 
but rather originally speaking before the manifestation of creation, before the instantiation of limit, the mitzius, this koyach, this potential towards limitation was inherent within Ein Sof because Ein Sof needs to have the capacity to manifest itself in sofiyut, in endings and limits. And the Nazir goes on to say to the Rav, he goes on to say to Rav Kook, he says, I agree with you. I agree with you that Rabbeinu Azriel's klal, that the gvul is really part and parcel of the bilti gvul, but it slowly manifests and becomes limitation. The only difference between your shita and Rabbeinu Azriel's shita is that for Rabbeinu Azriel, it's a static system. This koyach gvul, this capacity towards limitation. And when I say limitation, when Rabbeinu Azriel says limitation, he doesn't just mean olam ha'atzilos. He means everything, up to and including the lowest aspect of olam ha'asiyah, up to and including the personal suffering that individuals experience in their own individualistic personalities. Everything that is limited and measurable was contained, primordially speaking, within this potential towards limitation. Rav David Cohen, the Nazir, says to Rav Kook, he says, I agree with you that this is the building block of your system, but for you, it's not only static, it's dynamic. For you, Rav Kook, this koyach agvul, this capacity towards limitation is not simply something that becomes present, but it's something that as it becomes present, it slowly but surely evolves into something greater. Every moment of limitation, every minute of limitation, Every second that the koyach gvul, that the capacity towards limitation manifests itself as this world, everything is being mit'aleh. Everything is constantly refining itself and becoming more perfect. So from here we have Rav Kook's famous ideas throughout Orod HaKodesh and Chilak Beis in particular in the Chayim Hamit'alim, I believe is the name of the section, and scattered throughout Shemana Kvatsim, where Rav Kook talks about two different types of perfection. He talks about static perfection, the perfection of the infinite that remains perfect no matter what, without limitation, that remains unchanged with or without the creation of the world, and the Kayach HaHishtalmut, which is the dynamic aspect of creation which has the capacity of becoming better. The kayach gvul, the capacity of limitation within the Ein Sof as it manifests in creation, that is this world and all of the people in it who now have the capacity to make perfection even more perfect. To create within the notion of Ein Sof the capacity of being bigger than Ein Sof. So we have the bilti gvul, and then slowly from within the bilti gvul, we have the kayach gvul that slowly but surely edges its way into Metzius. And our job within the Kayach HaGvul, as the Kayach HaGvul, as the capacity of limitation within the Ein Sof, our job is to elevate everything back to the Bilti Gvul. Now, it's my humble opinion that Rav Kook was so inspired by this idea, primarily because of his relationship with Rav Yashav, because for Rav Yashav, this notion of Rabbeinu Azriel, and explicitly written in numerous writings and letters that he had between Rav Naftali Hertz and himself, this was the crowning jewel of the Leshem system. That all of Metzius, all of limitation, is simply the manifestation of the infinite in a different form. And the goal is to elevate this Koyach to elevate this capacity of limitation back up towards the Bilti Gvul, to be Megala Atosefes Kishut, an additional adornment, which really Ravitchemeyer Morgenstern, through his thousands and thousands of pages of writings, has really stressed more than any other Mokobol, quite possibly in the history of Jewish thought. Can I answer the question? So, 
we're going to continue and we're going to say that aside from this first hakdama, so this is the first hakdama to Os Aleph. The first hakdama to Os Aleph is the notion of koyach hagvul bebilti gvul, that within the infinite remains the capacity towards limitation. And if anybody wants to see this in a more kind of practical makor, which would be surprising enough, if you look at the first Mesha Chachma in his entire commentary on the Torah, he quotes from the Derech Amuna from Rav Meir Ibn Gabai, who basically paraphrases Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona's entire system of Esther Sviris B'derech Shailavachuva. And what he does is he quotes basically that the entirety of creation was this Kayach this capacity towards limitation from within the infinite. That's the first Can question. Can I ask a question? Can you hear me? The second Hakdama, the second Hakdama with the Os Aleph that we have to understand is the notion of Targum, is the notion of, is the notion of translation. Now, here's where Rav Kook is going to take this ontological process, this process of the infinite and limitation and limitation from the, within the infinite becoming present, we're also going to have it on a psychological level. And the way we're going to be able to see this most, especially in the thought of Rav Kook, is through language. That for Rav Kook, like many other Mikubalim, language becomes the vehicle through which human beings, so to speak, interact or recreate the act of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in his creation of the world. The Sefer Yetzirah, the Tzapar Yusuf, with the parish of the Vilna Gon, have lengthy interpretations of the value of speech in terms of the creation of the world. But for Rav Kook, because we're talking about the Aleph Beis, which, which are the building blocks of Metzius, so these are the building blocks of speech as well. So for Rav Kook, this Koach HaGvul, this capacity towards limitation within the infinite, is not, God forbid, the Atzmius of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're not talking about Hashem himself. We can't talk about Hashem himself. That's axiomatic for anybody who's even beginning to study any mystical texts within the Jewish tradition. That Ein Sof is always a level removed from Atzmuso Yisparach. And even the Alter Rebbe, and even all the Meforshim who seem to describe some relationship to Etzem, there are countless other sources within those same theories and within those same systems which negate or talk back their ability to talk about atzmius. So the capacity to talk about atzmius, atzmusis, baruch, and whatever concept would some, in some ways collapse the entire system. Judaism believes very deeply and in contradistinction to other mystical approaches that we have no access to atzmusis, baruch, except through the mitzvahs and the maizim tovim in some profound mystical Nusa type of way that we have no ability to recognize. But for Rav Kook, this Kayach HaGvul, this instantiation, the first inception point of limitation, which is the beginning of the creation of the world, that can't be Lashon HaKodesh. That can't be the essential language. The essential language, Lashon HaKodesh for Rav Kook and for most of our tzaddikim, represents, if you will, the thing in itself, the real itself, without any distinction between what we perceive and what is. This language of Adam HaRishon Kodem HaChet that Walter Benjamin spoke about through his Jewish neshama, that Gershom Sholem spoke about through his neshama, all of these ideas come back to the place where we say that 
Lashon HaKodesh is synonymous with Atzmusa Yisbarach on a certain level. Now, because we have no access to Atzmusa Yisbarach, and we only have access to the limitation that Hashem manifests himself in, so too we don't have access to this primary or original language of Lashon HaKodesh through which Hashem created the world. And that is why, according to Rav Kook, as we're going to see in the Os of Aleph, Aleph, even though it's the beginning point, even though it's the origin, it's still going to be Targum. It's still going to be the notion of translation. And as Rav Kook writes in the Os Aleph and numerous other places, Aleph, or Ulpan, is the translation of Limud. Meaning to say that even the first letter, even the first thought that we have about godliness and divinity and the creation of the world is always already an act of translation, meaning to say it's always an act of interpretation. We can never behold the thing in itself. We can never behold the idea in itself. All we can do is translate that idea through our limited terminology, through our limited minds, and this is already very clear in the Rambam and Mornavuchim, where the Leshem got it from and where Avkuk got it from. But the first thing that we can talk about is Targum. So even though we're talking about the Os Aleph, which is the loftiest place in the Aleph base, the loftiest place in the Seder HaHishtalshlis of the Osios into creation, we're always already simply talking at the level of Targum. We're always speaking at the level of trying to understand, trying to elevate ourselves back up to this original idea that seems to have been lost in its shtika, in its silence. And as Rav Kook will point out as well, the Os Aleph represents the ear. In the Sefer HaTmuna and various Svarim from the Rishonim, when they talk about the shapes of the Osios, Aleph is not only the first word of the word Ozen, but it also represents the shape of the ear in whatever context they were drawing the Aleph. And the notion here is that to listen already implies that there is a previous voice speaking before our, speak, before our speech. That even before the Os Aleph, there is always a prior voice that we can't grasp except through translation. That all we can do is translate this infinite voice, this kol of Hashem Kavyachal, and translate it into our own human idioms which start with the Aleph. So if Cook is doing something profound with the Aleph, he's claiming that although it's the beginning of speech, although it's the loftiest level of speech, it's still only translation and only listening vis-a-vis that which precedes it. Now this is something that is clear throughout Rav Cook's writings, that we have no grasp of the infinite. All we can grasp is the or ain't so. All we can grasp is the light of the infinite after its limitation and manifestation, after Hashem has decided in his infinite will that is devoid of any natural or human understanding to create a world of limitation. Now, all act of speech and understanding is already a secondary act of listening. So with those two introductions, with the notion of A, that the koyach agvul, the capacity towards limitation, exists within the infinite in a miraculous way where the capacity towards limitation does not negate the infinitude or the perfection of Ein Sof, but at the same point it allows us to speak about the beginning or the instantiation of limit. And secondly, psychologically speaking and spiritually speaking, what that means for us in terms of negative theology is drawn out from the Rambam and expressed explicitly in Rav Kook's writings, as well as the Leshem, is that any language, any words that we apply to any theological notions, especially in these lofty realms of Kabbalah and, you know, how Hashem manifests in the world, so to speak, 
And again, I'm using the word kavyachol like we spoke about last week, that all of our language is only possible because of the chafbez osios, that the chafbez yachol, that kavyachol implies that speech is always already secondary. And we're going to see how even the os aleph remains secondary, but it allows us to slowly but surely access Hashem's manifestation and creation. So we're going to look at the Os Aleph. Rav Kook writes, Ha'alef meir banu as The Aleph shows within ourselves, it awakens within us the thought of the beginning. Ha'atchala ha'kaduma, the primordial origin. Anu tsofim eskadlusa, we behold its greatness. Now tsofim over here is profound, because Rav Kook, his access, he writes in numerous places that everything is about Re'iyah HaKadosha. It's about a holy vision. It's about beholding things through the eye of the Seichel, through the eye of the mind. Now, Anutsofim, we look at its greatness. And we're silent. According to the greatness and the magnificence of its appearance. He Omerat Lanu, the Aleph tells us, when we perceive the Aleph, it tells us, Listen, lahakshiv to listen, lilmod ulaalef to teach. Haulpan, and this is what we were talking about. Zehu targum halimud. So for Rav Kook, all learning is already an act of translation. Any thought that does not come from within the individual's mind in an authentic and self-created way, for Rav Kook, is already a secondary level of thought. It's not the essentiality of thought. It's not the original natural thoughts that I think within my own mind, but it's always already on a secondary level. The soul knows that anything that it comes to through learning or through listening to another person is not original. It doesn't come from within the core, the essence of the individual. Mikori, what is it that's Mikori? What is it that's originary? It's the internalized thought which cannot be expressed. So for Rav Kook, everything that we even say in natural language and Kalvachomer in speech about HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always already after the initial silence of speech. We cannot convey what it is that we need to convey. Now this is true on a psychological level. This is true on a psychoanalytic level that what we say is always some symptom of what we can't say. It's true when we're trying to daven, that the pnimius haratzon, that the inner point of the will, remains transcendental to the words of tefillah, as Rav Kook writes so beautifully in his introduction to Olas Ra'ayah, that all tefillah is already a manifestation of something that preceded it. But harayon ha that internalized thought that precedes the aleph, that's what the Aleph is coming to garb, if you will. That's what the Aleph is coming to give us access to. That this this internalized thought, which is not uttered, which is not expressed, it will be and it was the lot of the world on that great day when man and his brother and man and his fellow will no longer teach each other to know Hashem, but they will know HaKadosh Baruch Hu from within their own intuition, if you will. And here I mean intuition in the most kind of philosophical sense as Bergson would describe it. That there is a level where language will no longer be necessary 
where a person will no longer have to look into books, where a person will no longer need the external stimuli to stimulate the spiritual strength that they have within the chavion oz of their neshama, as Rav Kook would say. But until that day, everything else is targum. Until the times of Mashiach, until the umalah ha'aretz de'as Hashem, until das, real das, is mislabesh, is engarbed within a person, we don't have access to that ra'ayon panimi. Halimud hu ha'targum. Learning is translation. Now this is a profoundly significant point for Rav Kook because Rav Kook is saying to us once again that everything that we think about and we read from a book and we put onto paper and we say to other people is always already an act of translation, is always a secondary way of trying to convey that's what we cannot convey, which leaves a person not only with a certain sense of pervading anxiety in the sense that I am not being heard properly, or I have not had the capacity to convey to the other person or to my boss or to my spouse or to my child what it is I need to say. But it even tells a person that the loftiest thoughts that we have about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the loftiest thoughts that we have about God, are always already secondary. We do not have access to the original. Only when Mashiach comes, only when Hashem, so to speak, allows us to have access to the original, does it manifest. Until then, we remain deferred in the realm of Targum, in the realm of translation. Now, there's a famous Unkelis that we all know from Rav Moshe Shapiro and from the Bali Machshava, quote-unquote, which basically tells us, and the Maharal says this explicitly in Nesiv HaTorah and Nesiv HaLashon, that Adam, that the person, that the Ruach HaChayim, that Vipach Ba'apav Ruach, that Hashem puts within us a soul, Unkelis says, Ruach Mamala, that's the capacity of speech. Now, it's no coincidence that it's Uncle Estafka who teaches us this, because speech is always translation, and speech is always a secondary approach of trying to recreate the essential meaning. So it's no Chiddush that it's Uncle who creates the notion of Targum. A Neshama that the Magala Mukos tells us and the Arizal tells us came into the world to bring about the aspect of fixing Targum, of trying to help us elevate back to the original Lashon. That it's Uncle himself who teaches us that the Adam himself is the act of translation, is the act of speech. So let's go weiter. Halimud hu atargum. Learning is always already translation. Achorayim shel hapanim hamachshivim. Lo ha'aros hanishmatit ki ela tardemasa. So here Rav Kook is already getting into very specific sugyos within the Arizal, where Lashon hatargum, is considered acharayim, is considered secondary, is considered external, is considered the backside of the panim hamachshivim, of the face, of the explicit meaning of thinking, of thinking in its purest form. Targum is always the hither side of that. Loha arosa nishmatit. Not the soulful awakenings and the soulful spiritual jolts of energy. Ki'ela tardemasa. Rather, it's slumber. The Arizal tells us that Adam Arishan had to be put into a tardema. He had to be put into an act of slumber in order to have his wife, in order to have Chava taken out of him. The Beis Yaakov and the Ishbitzer Tzadikim spend so much time talking about how all relationship, not only relationship between man and wife and man and fellow, but all relationship between man and thing in terms of object relations, is always on the level of terdama, is always on the level of slumber is always on the level of being secondary to the panim ha 
to the explicit language of the face where things cannot be confused. Rabbi Nachman Akadosh, Rabbi Nachman writes in, in Torah Yud Tes in Lukutamaran, everything you'll ever have to know about the Arizal Shita in Targum. It's Kadai, we don't have the time, nearly enough time to go through it, but it's Kadai to look at, at Torah Yud Tes in order to kind of understand where Rav Kook is coming from. You know, Rav Kook said at the end of the day that I'm Nishmas Rabbi Nachman, that I'm the soul of Rabbi Nachman, so it's good to learn to the two of them together. Zosi Torah Torah Asha Aleph Bishimo. This is the teaching, this is what we learn from the Aleph in its verbal name, Aleph, because again, Aleph is the translation of Limud. Bitoi Hakarov Le'elef Hamispari. So here Rav Kook goes into a, a relatively difficult idea where he's now not only looking at the word Aleph, he's not only looking at the idea that we learn from the fact that Aleph is the translation of Limud, but he wants to try and understand why the name Aleph also sounds like Elef. Why does it also sound like a thousand? And there's a tradition that in terms of Gematria, that Aleph through Tuf goes from one to 400, and then with the Mansapach Osios, that brings us to 900. Each Os of the Memsofit, the Hule, represents 500, 600, 700, 800, 900. And that's already explicit in people like the Chassam Sofer, so it's not a foreign idea. But the Vilna Gon in his parish on Sefer Yitzir and his parish on Safri Yitznusa says that there's also a thousand. And even though we don't have enough letters to bring us back to a thousand, what happens with the Aleph base is as we get to the end, as we get to the Mansapach, all the way to the letter Sofit, it returns back to Aleph in the notion of na'ut sofam betchilasam betchilasam besofam, that the end is embedded in the beginning and the beginning is embedded in the end. So we go from Aleph, which represents one, to Aleph, which represents a thousand. Now, Rav Kook here, I'm going to paraphrase, says, based on Tkunezor, actually, and this is a popular idea that we see from Rabbi Nachman in numerous places, that there are four categories of numbers. There's ones, there's tens, there's hundreds, and there's thousands. Now, what these four gradations of numbers represent are also gradations in terms of thought. That as you move from one, which remains entirely uncomplicated, through 10, which remains a little bit more complicated and a little bit more multiple, through 100, which brings us into a, a space that's much more multiple, when we finally arrive at 1,000, you can see this process of this gradation, this fourfold gradation, within thought itself. Rav Kook says as follows, that just like we have ones, tens, hundreds, and thousands, we also have the concealed thought, when thought is already unconscious to the thinking individual themselves, where it's not explicit what they're thinking about. After that, we have the thoughtful thought, which means that we're beginning to convey to ourselves what it is that we're thinking. Then we finally have Hagion Hamiluli, which is the verbalized thinking where we can create the words and the vehicles for what our thoughts are going to be. And then finally, the fourth level, which corresponds to the thousand, which corresponds to the Aleph, is the Hegion Hanishma, the, the thought that's heard. Meaning to say that there's a process in thinking. First, it's concealed to us. Then we're able to convey it in terms of our intellectual processes then we're able to create the internal verbiage for it, the internal language. And then finally, we can utter it in a way that it can be heard. Now, like we said before, for Rav Kook, all knowledge, all language is already listening. Like the Svasema says so beautifully in Parshas Lech Lecha, 
that the call of Lech Lecha, Me'artzecha, Mimladecha, Mbeisavicha, it's not that it was a specific call to Avram Avinu as the father of monotheism, as we're typically taught, but rather says the Sfas Emes in Parshas Lech Lecha, that the call of HaKadosh Baruch Hu of Lech Lecha went out to the entire world. It's the baskol that the Baal Shem Tov says comes out of Har Chorev, which are the Herhure Tshuva that are dofek belivavam, that are beating in our hearts. And the Chiddush of Avram Avinu was not that he was spoken to, but rather that he was capable of listening. Rav Leibel Eger also, in Taurus Emes and Parshish Yisro, has a similar teaching by Yishma Yisro, that the entire movement, all spiritual movement, can be comprised and contained within the notion of tuning our ears to listen. And again, to quote my teacher, Michael Fishbane, in his book, Sacred Attunement, that the entire spiritual act is one of attuning ourselves, is one of listening, learning to listen. So Rav Kook, the Aleph already, because it's so removed from this infinite and silent voice that we have no grasp for, is already the fourth level of a thousand that's moved through ones and tens and hundreds, and it's brought us to the last level of thought, which is hahegyon hanishma, which is the thought that is heard. Now, Rav Kook is going to go on to tell us a commonly known idea, already brought down in halacha, that the Aleph itself is comprised of three letters. Many of the letters are written or comprised of different osios, and Rav Kook, in multiple places, is going to go through those osios and tell us how each letter is comprised. But the Aleph is going to be Oyud Elyona on the top, Oyud Tachtona on the bottom, and a Vav in between the two of them, although it's a slanted Vav. Now here is where we're actually going to kind of get a little bit visual. It's that when we look at an Aleph, when you look at the upper Aleph, so the upper Aleph represents the right side. The upper Aleph represents the infinite. The Yud HaElyona. The upper Yud represents the compressed intensity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has decided Kav Yachol, to manifest himself in. Now the upper level of the Yud HaElyona is the infinite realm. We have no access to it. The Yud itself, beyond what we have access to, contains within itself the all. The Yud, Chachma Kaduma, is the smallest point that we have, yet it contains the potentiality of all like the Kayach HaGvul, like the capacity of limitation we were talking about. Rav Kook says that it's not enough. This Yud Elyona is inaccessible to human beings. That represents Alufel Shal Olam, that represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the level of Sovev Kal Almin, if you're learning like the Nefesh HaChayim, or the level of Memala Kal Almin, if you're learning on the level of the Nefesh HaChayim. But nevertheless, this represents the inaccessible point of spirituality in the world. As we move from the right side of the upper half of the Aleph towards the left side, now the left typically represents limitation. Small represents din. Small represents constriction. Small represents dinim and gvulim. It represents judgments and limitations and vessels and the ability of things to be captured. So if Cook says, we have no access to the right side of the upper half. All we have access to is the left side of the upper half. Meaning to say... Within the upper half of the Yud HaElyona, within the upper half of the transcendence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there exists a left part, a Bechina of small, a Bechina of limitation, a propensity and a capacity for the infinite to manifest itself. Within 
the bilti gvul that we said from Rabbeinu Israel. Within the infinite, within the unlimited infinite, there also exists the kayach gvul. There also exists the propensity and the capacity to manifest in limitation. And Rav Kuk goes on to say that from that kayach gvul bilti gvul, from the ability of the infinite to manifest itself in limitation, we slowly but surely go down through the vav, which leads us to the right side of the bottom yud. Now the bottom yud, for our purposes, represents Hashem's revelation in this world. It represents Hashem's ability to manifest in limitation. It represents creation, it represents our personal lives, it represents everything that we have and everything that we know. But all that is, is the slow but sure manifestation and hishtalshlus of the kayach ha-gvul b'bilti gvul, of the unlimited and its capacity towards limitation, slowly but surely moving us down to the level of limitation. Which means to say that the Aleph, and with this we're going to end and we're going to finish up the Aleph next week, Bezras Hashem. The Aleph is the longest letter, so typically the letters will only take one, one, one class each. But the Aleph has so much in it and I needed to kind of introduce it with these two klalim. The Aleph itself represents the Pella. This wondrous connectivity between the infinite and the finite. The Rama in his parish on the Shulchan Aruch by the Brach of Asher Yatsar says on the Pasuk, Umafli La'asos, and he creates wonders. He says that the Pella here is Shemakasha Ruchnius Pagashmius, that Hashem has the ability to connect or to unify these two utter opposites of Ruchnius spirituality and Gashmius and physicality. That is the Kayacha Pella. Rabbeinu Azriel and Rabbi Nachman and our Tzadikim all teach us that the Pella Elyon represents Keser, represents the loftiest place within what we're capable of understanding in terms of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interaction with the world. It's a wonder. It's wondrous, which means that no matter how much we examine it, no matter how much we attempt to understand it, no matter how much Chachma we apply to it, at the end of the day, Tachlis Hayadiyah Shaloneda, the apex of wisdom, like Rabbi Nachman comes to teach us so often, is the utter annihilation of knowledge, the learned ignorance that we have access to when we recognize that in spite of all of our examinations and in spite of all of our complications, it rests on Amuna, it rests on the Kaya Chapella, it rests on the Raza Demehem Nusa, on this infallible paradoxical space of the infinite manifesting through limitation, from the Yudha El Yona slowly but surely touching the Yud Tachtona. And through the Aleph, which is Osios Pella, we begin to slowly understand through the teachings of Rav Kook how from the infinite Hashem slowly but surely moves into creation and all of the letters after Aleph are going to be what we do afterwards with this initial instantiation of the lightning bolt of the Aleph, the, the Koyach, the the fiery horses, the Susei Eish that the Tekina Zohar describe as the Osios Torah, that slowly but surely carry the load, they carry the burdensome task of transmitting and translating the infinite into a finite language. So, again, we have Rav Kook's teaching on the Aleph as explicated through the teachings of Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona, who, according to the Nazir HaKadosh, was the crowning jewel in Rav Kook's system of Kabbalah Sa'arizal. And I want to claim that this is something that Rav Kook learned very much from the Leshem HaKadosh when his community, when he was in Zalmel, when he was in Zalmel, his community sent him to learn by the Leshem for a year. And he came back with this knowledge and he came back with these teachings. 
And next week we'll continue with the Aleph and we'll see what the picture of the Aleph is, what the gematria of the Aleph is, and then we'll slowly but surely move on to the base.